0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete, and on the Stack we've got so many comic books to talk about today. So let's oh get... go. Too many, never too Just many. The right we amount. love comic books. More comic books, I say. Let's kick it off though with a big one: Avengers Assemble Alpha from Marvel, written by Jason Aaron, art by Brian Hitch, Andrew Curry, and Alex Sinclair. This brings together every story that Jason Aaron has been telling at Marvel. Pretty much since the beginning. At this point, since it, it's, birth. Wow. Since birth, it uh, tells the story of his mommy and his daddy and how they got together and how they had a beautiful baby named Jason Aaron, and then it kind of goes very from there.
1: graphic. <laughs> Oh,
0: my God. This is very specifically starting with the stuff that he's been weaving through his Avengers books, but it is going to be working at everything that he's been working with the entire time. So we get the setup here of our Avengers traveling back in time to the prehistoric Avengers, teaming up with Avenger Prime, who is at a fortress in the center of the multiverse that is being attacked by multiversal Mephistos, who are also working with slash controlling the multiversal Masters. Of evil, so there's a lot of stuff going on here. But like we say, with I think every single issue that Jason Aaron writes of Avengers, this is like watching the best version of somebody playing with a box of toys.
1: Yeah, and smashing them together. This issue specifically, like, smashes together so many different things. By the time we meet this next team of, like, evil Avengers late, later on, I'm like, oh, my God. And that's Smash Ups of Smash Ups with, like, young Thanos, uh, yeah. the, the, the Black Skull, which is like a red skull with venom. Uh, it is a wild ride, and I love it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was having a blast up until the Mephisto showed up, but it was just uh, like... That was page two, I want to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You were having, yes. a, you having a blast
0: I knew this was going to happen when I read oh, this, just the you? very did idea you? of Mephisto here. But here's the thing, Pete. I understand you have a problem with things that Mephisto, the representation of the devil
2: who everybody yep. knows is evil... You don't like him for something like you no, got it out for him. That's what I, that's what drives me nuts about Mephisto is people treat him like he's not evil. They'll make deals with them. And, you know, uh, you know, here, he's here's the thing, up marriages
0: right here, based on that objection, he is straight up 100 percent pure villainy, trying to take over the entire multiverse. And there's a double page spread that Brian Hitch draws of all these multiversal Mephistos, which is one of the wildest things that I've ever seen in comics. Like it's it great. is so. It ludicrously, is- it's perfect.
1: God. It's so many different shapes and sizes of Mephisto's, but the smile sort of rhymes on each one of them. It's really a well done, page by uh, Brian Hitch on the art. The, um,
2: the art is fantastic, but it's just like, you know, there there are villains. There are just so many things. Why do we need the devil, you know, as well? It just, it, Why not? it's one of those things that doesn't make sense in my mind. You know what it's I mean? It's everything uh, in the kitchen
0: sink. It's great. I mean, you can't be mad at an issue where a red Hulk star brand from the dawn of time. Who's a caveman essentially gets turned into a bad ball, right? Like that's what happens by the end of the issue. It's It's ludicrous. It's so over the top. It's ludicrous it's great to read. Why don't we talk about another one that I'm pretty excited uh, well, about. The, two, oh, two, yeah, quick, two other
1: quick things on that. Um, the um, use of do the, the way Jason Aaron pulled it from every other aspect of his comic book, like you were saying, Alex yeah. is really impressive that they are all going to come together in this comic and B uh, shouts to uh, Agamotto's eyes. Something we've heard people talking oh, yeah. about for a year, so we finally got to see him <laughs> pop right out of his head. What a dream come true! That's the, the story I've been waiting to hear.
2: The Doom entrance was legendary Doom, so it was great to see. And uh, uh, I'm a sucker for a Doom entrance, so that was great. Why don't we turn
0: to another big issue, Justice Society of America, number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Mikel Janine. This is picking up off of the new Golden Age issue where we got a bunch of setup of stuff. Here we're following the new Huntress, who is the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Catwoman in the future. While the JSA is being hunted throughout time by, they still haven't said his name, but it's pretty clearly Per Degaton, who is time traveling, space Nazi. That's pretty much his deal. He wants yeah. to kill the JSA throughout time. Um, this is great. This is exactly what I want out of a JSA comic from Jeff Johns. He, uh, if you go back to his classic run on the title that he wrote with James Robinson and then eventually by himself. He just amps up the danger for these characters and doubles down on what makes them work. There's a lot of setup in this issue, but the character of Huntress is really good. He sets up a lot of legacy heroes here and doubles down on this. This is everything that I want out of a Jeff Johns comic, plus some phenomenal art by Mikhail Janine.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's super type Nanazar and super hmm. fun first issue start to something great. It does feel like a, you know, this is going to be a great GS- JSA run, and it's a, it's a really cool starting point. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for more.
1: Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I also really like this. I feel like we talked about the other, uh, the most, most recent Jeff Johns book as a... Return to form uh, for Jeff Johns. And I think this is definitely that. I love the um, formation of the team that later gets killed. Uh, spoilers there. Um, and the uh, especially mention of the Mist, a character uh, that's Starman's kid. Um, great to see him there, um, even though it was sort of a sad ending. Uh, one thing that I think is strange why is the daughter of Batman and Catwoman Huntress? Like it's not like, like Huntress is cool, but it's not Huntress like... Huntress is cool. Huntress is cool, no, not, but it's not like Batman is like. Who's my favorite person in the world? Huntress. It's like Huntress is always someone he like.
2: First off. First off, back up the truck, Justin. You know, uh, as a father, I think you would understand this. You can't decide what your kids are going to grow up and do. You can tell them all you want. Like, listen, you can be a bad person. You can be, you know, whatever. You know, they're going to grow up and they're going to do what they want to do. If they want to be the huntress, you got to let them be the huntress and you got to support them 100%.
1: Think about it this way. If I die, my daughter's Mm going to go up and be like, oh, I'm not going to be like dad. I'm going to be like Pete. (laughs)
2: That's a concern for me! That's a major concern for me! Yeah, everybody has their own... I'm just saying, what about Dad?
1: What about um, Batman? What about Catwoman? I I think it just
0: comes down to Huntress is the Gotham City hero who kills. That's pretty much it. So... It's the division between you have. There's
2: more to her than that. Well, but you
0: have the division between, like, the Tom King run on Batman Catwoman is saying their kid is going to be Batman or Batgirl or Batwoman or whatever she was calling herself. That's who she's going to be. Like, that's the thread that they're following there. What Jeff Johns is following here is this has become a dark hero because Batman has died and going in the opposite direction. I actually think it's one of the more interesting things to follow in terms of these future scenarios with Batman and Catwoman getting together. Like what is the thin line between like, Catwoman is there. Batman dies in one scenario. She becomes a Bat Hero. Is like we never kill. We never use guns. And in the other scenario, it becomes Huntress, and she's like we always kill and we always use guns. But sometimes little tiny little crossbows, and that's it.
1: hand hand crossbows. Yes,
0: and uh, that's what Jeff Johns is playing with versus what Tom King is playing with, and I think. I don't know. I think that's one of the lovely I, I things just, about wait, comics in the multiverse uh, is you can have all of these things simultaneously. And it's OK. Sorry. Go ahead, Pete.
2: OK. And, uh, hand crossbows are the most convenient of the crossbows to use. OK. Mm. So don't come at hand crossbows. OK. Oh, sorry. Man. They're light. They're portable. They do the job. You know what I mean. Like uh, you know, uh, know, Pete is a uh,
0: door-to-door hand crossbow salesman. So that's what's going on here. In case you want any backstory, tough
1: time go to hand crossbow. Listen, Pete. First off, if I'm raising my daughter to be you, cool it on me a little bit for just at this (laughs) outset. Second, just a hand, how big is the arrow on a hand crossbow? It looks like a chopstick. How, well, a well, a well, criminal gets hit with a chopstick, and they're like, ouch, I'm dying?
2: It seems it's all about the now. location, bro. It's all about, yeah, a little chopstick can cause a lot of damage if it hits the right spot. So, you know, don't, mm-hmm. don't come at me with that shit, bro. Yeah, all right? real estate agents wrong and vigilante killers
0: concerned with location, location, location. That's right. That's what if nice. we move on? If I had about- a hat,
1: if I had a hat that sat on my hand, I wouldn't be like, man, this hand hat is really way better than a regular hat. <laughs> so I'm Plush. just saying, I think it's a little, a bit of a show.
0: Plush number one from Image Comics, written by Doug Wagner, art by Daniel Hilliard. Just in case you're not sure what you're getting into with this comic, this is the same team from Vital and a couple other. Absolutely off the wall books here. We get a guy who gets taken to a plushy furry convention and finds not only is he embroiled with some bad stuff going on with the town's police force, but also there's some sort of carnivorous real furries that are wandering through. This is like a fever dream that I'm reading, which was the same thing as vital. It works, but it is wild to read.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's fucked up in a, in a way, not the the content, the um, like the story being about people um, going to a furry convention, the way it's told and the just some of the visuals really like are unsettling. Um, but it Very. wasn't good for what that is. I thought I thought it was good and fun. Um I it feels a, it remind me a little bit of an an ice cream man esque standalone mm-hmm. issue oh, if this was a, mm-hmm. like a story that would be told there we don't really get the moralizing at the end um that you get a lot of ice cream man stories but um otherwise that sort of like unsettling out of reality stuff feels very ice
2: cream man. Uh the problem I had with uh the the mistake that I made was I uh I didn't do a good job of arranging my stack Mm-hmm. Uh, because I read Lovesick before, oh, uh, no. I read Plush, okay. and I was ruined by that horrible comic. That you know, we talk about like the stack. Uh, some said, "Oh, the stack wasn't big enough," and I was like, well, "Was one comic too big?" I would have loved if we didn't have that in the stack because that was it messed with me, still messing don't, with me. Don't and spoil I read your that, review. Your and later then review. got to this immediately next. Comic and in my in, uh, to read, I was still too messed up to read it, and I was like, I can't. Yeah, you were yeah, already spent by that point. Well, yeah. I just, I, I, couldn't do it because Sexually. I was, um, I was still in the aftershock of uh, Something that was no, the after afterglow. Uh, nope, no, no no Don't be okay. weird. So
1: your pull your quote for this is don't read it after lovesick. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. will say so, this, yeah. nice.
0: this book is pretty hardcore and wild. It is not as hardcore and wild as Lovesick, which we'll get to in a moment. Truth. Right. Mm-hmm. My one concern about Plush is I was really intrigued and thrown by what was going on in this issue. Things went very quickly off the rails in vinyl, so I worry that's going to happen here as well. But I'm very curious to check out the second issue of this book, and hopefully it stays... Off the rails, on the rails at the same time. But I guess we'll see what happens. Where we're
1: we're going, we don't need rails. That's right.
0: Catman and Kitten, number one, from Dynamite, written by Jeff Parker, art by Joseph Cooper. This is following, as you can probably figure out from the title, a sort of retro superhero. It's kind of a Batman, but he has cat powers and his partner, Kitten, who doesn't have cat powers, but dresses like a cat anyway, as they explore a weird mystery. Jeff Parker excels in these sort of throwback stories. Yes. And there's a bit of modern weirdness and strangeness thrown in here that makes me really want to see this as more of a one-shot, but I was very pleasantly surprised by this comic book.
2: I, I too, I loved it. I felt like it was just enough campy where it made it light and fun, Uh, but also like the... Cat, the cat details, the attention to cat details, I really appreciated. The purring with that giant, uh, you know, tiger or leopard or whatever it was, was really fantastic. The way that he would kind of like run as a cat or kind of make cat poses, I really appreciated those little uh, uh, cat details there.
1: Now, Pete, did you feel like while you were reading this um, that you needed to puff the fluff?
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know, The puff and the fluff happens clockwork. You know what I mean? So Twice let me day, just so.
1: real quick compete for those of you that don't know and think you're saying something wildly inappropriate. Can you tell us what puff the fluff is in your personal life?
2: Well, sure. Yeah. So, uh, so sometimes if you have a cat that, uh, you know, needs an inhaler because of, uh, you know, some kind of lung issue, um, you know, you have to find a way to convince a live animal that it's OK to use an inhaler. And it's tricky. Uh, and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of love. But uh, when you love a cat, you know, what are you going to do? Let it die. You can't do that. So you got to you got to puff the fluff twice a day, man. You know what I mean? Puff and the what fluff, is that a very key
1: name for a medical procedure.
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, what is puffing the fluff exactly, though? You haven't said that. It's a, you. You put an inhaler. It kind of has like a little kind of mm-hmm. like mask oh, yeah. that you put over its mouth. And just to uh, be clear, you to this is not blowing in the
0: cat's anus, right, Pete? What the just, fuck, Sorry, man.
1: we're getting a lot of comments on the live what? stream that, uh, the, the, about people I'm asking just if you're these sure is not right. a thing.
0: Under no circumstances is that what you're doing. Why when you're would you do that? You wouldn't do that. Uh, I'm sorry, saying uh,
1: it's not that. I'm just I'm just typing because I'm dealing with all these comments asking if it's <laughs> your blown and your cat's butt. Pee- <laughs> so just quick answer it before the we get stop the comments from coming. No,
2: no, I don't. Do, do you ever puff near puff past it. the fluff? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something completely different that does nothing to do with cats. Anyway, so color very your comic is pretty good if you're looking cat's for asshole. a retro good time. Why don't we talk about well, that? I just have to, yes, say, I have to say
1: two more things. I, I haven't offered, I haven't offered yes. my take on the comic, eh? Oh, you haven't? Um, okay. Oh, you yeah. haven't? You know, we, we, really Vic- <laughs> we got a little comic. it. Also, Vic- the art's great. Um J- Jeff Parker does some, something great here and that can be sort of um, campy while at the same time being telling a straightforward story, which is yeah. hard to do. Um It feels uh, – Mark Russell also does a good job with doing stuff like this. So if you like uh, Mark Russell and haven't read a Jeff Parker story lately, I think this is a good book for you. And secondarily, proving we proved once and for all with this review that P is the original cat daddy. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Planet Hulk, World Breaker, number one from Marvel, written by Greg Pak, art by Manuel Garcia,
2: and Ramon F. Box. We couldn't I, get him on the show? We couldn't get him out, you know, to, on the show before okay, number one I'll, dropped? I'll, what I'll, happened? I'll, I'll Come work on,
0: on. I'll work out it, Pete. I'll work on it. God I damn. knew this was Pete's issue of the week, sold on the tile, sold on the uh, uh, The team. Breaker. They could have had like them hanging out and playing basketball the entire time, but it would not have mattered. But what we actually get here is two stories, one that takes place in the far future of thousand catching years. Back up, thousand thousand years. years, catching back yeah. up with Amadeus Cho as well as Hulk himself. That's a little bit of a spoiler, but you could figure that out based on the title. And then we also get a story of Scar, the son of the Hulk, in the backstory here.
2: Pete, take it away. All right. First off, um, it's it's nice to have Pac back, back on Hulk. It's just uh, the backpack, Gre- uh, Greg Pak, uh You know that guy is a great writer, and he he really does the Hulk really well, and he makes fun ch- and interesting choices. We kind of have an interesting start. I didn't expect this to kind of like. Take place, pick up where we did. So I was very intrigued by, you know, I was waiting for it to see the Hulk smash things and like, but that's not where mm. we're starting. It's very interesting. I, I'm very intrigued by all the uh, the fact that we're way in the future, we're kind of past uh, things we know and love, so it's a kind of new beginning here for the the Hulk story. I'm very excited about it. We kind of take place on Sakaar here, we're kind of figuring out who people are and and kind of their family trees and where they come from. I think this is very cool and a great first issue that I think is going to uh, lead to a lot of amazing things. I'm very excited about it. Uh, for me, th- this reminded me a lot of Old Man Logan.
1: Oh, uh, interesting!
2: But without in a the good Logan. way, you're supposed to say when you say things that can be taken negative. You're usually you say, "I mean this in a good way," but you didn't say it this time. So I'm just well, want just... to give you a moment to maybe say that first.
1: Thank you for um, trying to uh, rewrite my uh, review. I yeah. think
2: it is a Just in case way, Greg Pak listens, you know what I mean? Like, let respect I the
1: I do mean it in a good way, because I thought the the melodramatic parts of Old Man Logan were all the Logan things. Like, when's he going to pop his claws? Why is he so mopey? While the Hulk side of it, even though they were sort of um, villains, mm-hmm. the idea of an extended Hulk family, what it means to be a Hulk um, sort of generationally and a post-apocalyptic world trying to um, figure out your Hulkness was cool. So um, I do like this, and it's coming at the story from a distance, like you were saying, Pete, and really sneaking up on maybe some of our more main characters. So curious to see where we go with that.
2: Uh, the, also, the second story, very cool, very interesting. Uh, I'm excited to kind of deal with the son of Hulk. Uh, uh, yeah, I feel like he should be getting a little bit more shine, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, you I ever really puff like, a Hulk? <laughs> <laughs> I really like the mix <laughs> of, just to wrap
0: this up, I really like the mix of a far future story, which I was not expecting for this book at all, with a current continuity story very good. If you're in, you know, Donnie Cates is writing an absolutely wild Hulk story that's going on right now. If you're looking for other aspects of the Hulk mythos, I think this is a good one to check out. What do we turn to? Blue Beetle graduation day number one from DC Comics, written by Josh Trulio, art by Adrian Gutierrez. Now, this is actually being released in a English version and a Spanish version, despite the fact that I am level four Spanish
2: on Duolingo. Oh, don't you fucking nut flex yeah. on us like that. Dude. I'm what up to F, family, so I'm not quite there yet. Wow. In but- Spanish, asshole. Yeah,
0: yeah, there you go. But anyway, yeah, uh, I did read the, that. We did read this in English, just to mention. Very cool that they are releasing this bilingually, and even a part of the English oh, uh, yeah. uh, issue is still in Spanish. Here we're following Blue Beetle. Per the title, he is graduating from high school and going through some hard times there. This feels like a perfect throwback to classic Blue Beetle stories. I'm very excited to
2: see where this goes. Curious to hear if you guys feel the same. Yeah, J.T. Sizzle. This was on your top of your list here, so let, I, let, let I, us have it.
1: I love Blue Beetle. I love um, uh, Jaime's and Jaime's journey and his whole character. Everything is great. Uh, great to see um, him back, uh, dealing with very much the down to earth stuff that any kid has to deal with, as well as the big superhero stuff. A lot of impending doom coming his way. Uh, this is DC Comics Spider Man, like, and I, he should be given the same amount of spotlight and focus, because this book is fantastic.
2: Yeah, I think this is a great first-ish. STB, you know, the the art's unbelievable. Love this character. Love the art style. More, please. And just to be clear, STB, since
0: you haven't established this episode, means sexually transmitted botulism, right, Pete?
2: No, yes, I mean super tight bananas art, uh, brah. Okay. Oh, I nice. guess I SDBA. made a mistake there. There you nice. go.
1: I thought you meant some tropical bongos, which are my favorite.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting.
0: Here's some talk about Bob Phantom, number one, from Archie Tom Comics, <laughs> written by James Third, art by Richard Ortiz James and three. Ron Fabio. In this issue, this takes place... Kind of in a a different Archie Comics continuity, but it very much takes place in an Archie Comics continuity. It follows a character who is a news reporter working at a very much lower-tier newspaper-slash-clickbait website who accidentally becomes a vigilante. This one really took me by surprise. I expected it to be another straight-up reboot of a classic Archie Comics character, but instead there's this sense of is this real? Is this not real? Is this character having dissociative episodes? Plus the fact that it ties into Josie and the Pussycats and Riverdale stuff and all of these other things. I thought this was really fascinating and I like this quite a bit. How did you guys feel? Well, well, first, first off, off, let me
1: say shouts to James the yeah, Third, who's yeah. a uh, New York comedy alum, currently out in L.A. But um, uh, you've yeah. seen him on Astronomy Club. Um, he wrote for um, all that, I believe, on Nickelodeon the reboot. Um, yeah. Great uh, comedian performer who um, I knew back uh, before he went west.
2: Yeah, I, definitely. Uh, I remember sitting at the bar with him, and he was talking about getting married. You know, and uh, wow. yeah, I, he is a hilarious, amazing dude. So I was super nervous about reading this because I know him, but yeah, I, I was really pleasantly surprised. This was such a cool, fresh take. I felt like, you know, I I loved the perspective of this, the tone of this, the art was fantastic. I felt like this was a really great first issue and uh I, I want more. I'm, 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 I'm super excited for James three.
1: Uh, and to take, to jump off what Alex was saying too, to take sort of some old original even comic book tropes of the reporter, detective, uh, vigilante, and mix them up in a way that did feel new, even though we've seen that many times, and had that reality bending angle on it. And the, I think the art also contributed to that with this sort of comic strip, uh, four color funnies style um, artwork. I thought it was a great package.
2: Yeah. yeah. Super and great package. Just
0: to mention, we're going to have James on our live show later on this month, so definitely check that out. Let's move yeah, on exciting. to Star we Trek have number. We on our live show. Oh, my God. Star Trek number two from <laughs> IDW Publishing, written by Colin <laughs> Kelly and Jackson Lansing, art by Oleg Chudakov. This is following an all-star team of Star Trek characters as they try to figure out who has killed essentially God-tier level characters in the Star Trek universe. That's the cliffhanger that we ended up in the last issue. Uh, We're following up on that here and bringing in Worf uh, into the fold onto this new crew. Yeah. This is great. This continues to be great. Like, this is exactly what I would want out of a next-gen Deep Space Nine Voyager... Era comic book mashing together this ultimate level crew with a huge threat. They're doing a great job.
1: Yeah, I was going Ultimates is such a great comp. I was going to say the same thing. The it has the vibe of like if JJ J. Abrams Star Trek was like really good and based in continuity and not just like sort of doing whatever it wanted. Um the bringing Worf into the mix, it feels like it took your favorite episodes the next generation and deep space nine, blended them up, blended them up and uh, just dropped them right onto your comic book stack.
2: Yeah. I mean, you guys are a little bit more into this than I am, but this no. w- <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you are. No, but, but I, I still feel like this is a great issue. Uh, fantastic art, storytelling, really amping things up here. So, yeah, this is fun. Maybe you're going to get into Star Trek after this book. Maybe. You seem to be responding well to it. You seem to be really
1: (laughs) chipper about it. Yeah, you start start with uh,
0: Enterprise. Start with Enterprise and kind of work up from there, because that's the first thing (laughs) continuity-wise.
1: The most important thing is watching them Mm. in uh, order of uh, chronology, definitely. Yes. Not quality.
0: I've got faith of the heart that we're going to be talking about. Flawed number three next from Image Comics, written by Chuck Brown, art by Prenzy. I don't even know what to say about this book because I'm not 100% sure what's going on, to be honest with you. But I really love reading every issue at the same time, mostly because of Prenzy's art, but also because Chuck Brown, in particular in this issue, is writing a really interesting, like, Gangster origin story, I guess, is what's going on. Uh, what do you guys uh, think about this one? Because I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around it. Three issues in.
1: Well, I agree with you. I'm like, I'm not quite sure what's happening, and we get a lot of uh, get a lot of things where it's like these guys just don't have skin. Look at them; they're hanging out, they're talking, they're having very normal
2: conversations. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And the the issue ends with like, oh, look, she's friends with the bird.
2: And I was L- like, I don't listen, know. Listen, guys, <laughs> if you're walking around without skin, you're not always talking about the fact that you don't have skin. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you're going to have everyday conversations. You know what I mean? But so- say you
1: walk into a party, it might be like – you may be wondering
2: why I'm skinless. Um it's I don't think you have to address it I think you should just go about your business If someone wants to talk to you about it They can bring it up But you know it's not their job to constantly Every time they walk in a room like Yes hey listen I don't have skin See so don't I th-
1: worry I knew you were the kind If I had food in my face you wouldn't tell me That's the kind of guy you are no, no, I thought no. How oh, I wanted you, you to
2: tell me. How, I would tell you
1: But now you're not, you're not going to announce your skinlessness To a room of people who are, That's what they're thinking about
2: That's the, that's on them man You know what I mean if they can't get over their skin. That's just on them. I I love flawed. I think this is just. Uh... A great package. The, the art really fits the tone of this in such a cool way. This is a very creative, unique story. I'm, I'm, they, they do such a good job of getting you interested in everything that's happening. Even though, like you said, we're not quite sure all, how all the pieces fit yet, but I'm still having a great time. Ton of action and intrigue. Uh, I think this is, a, this is a great, great comic.
0: The approach number two from Boom Studios written by Jeremy Hahn and Jason A. Hurley, art by Jesus Hervas and Leah Caballero. Last issue, I think I described this as the thing in an airport, but that's not quite mm-hmm. right. It's more alien in an airport more alien, than anything. Yeah. Uh, but. If that's what you're interested in, I think this is great. This is a really well drawn, very creepy horror story that continues to flesh out the characters in issue two. They have a good handle on the concept. And, uh, you know, I don't mean this not as a compliment, but it, it feels like the sort of thing that is primed to be turned into a movie. It feels to me like a movie pitch waiting to happen at this point.
1: Uh, yeah, that's okay. a good call. Um, it feels like it's it's people stuck in a place dealing with an alien. Um, very, and it has sort of that in world vibe of say your Die Hard two, mm-hmm. right? Uh,
2: where the characters right. are stuck. They're at the airport. airport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Die Hard two, the most famous Die Hard. Yes, it's it's not the most famous, but I mean, it's still it's still. what well, uh, name another more famous Die Hard than two?
0: He dies harder in Die Hard two,
1: Sam. So. Yeah,
2: that's exactly. Can't be worse. There's "Live Free or Die Hard." You know what I mean? That's that's, oh, that's the one you're gonna. Wrap? Right to you're rapping
1: "Live Free or Die
2: Hard," right?
1: <laughs> that's I'm not gonna do what you expect. I'm not that's do what you definitely expect. the worst one. Uh, that's I, by have I mentioned the before
0: time. that I worked on "Die Hard" with Inventions? Have I mentioned that?
1: In what capacity?
2: Yeah. I was oh, that's when you were
0: walking was, in the background. No, I was an intern. I worked. You for a couple told of days. Samuel
2: Jackson you were like, "Listen, write this on a card." Uh, uh, yeah. Was <laughs> yeah, I was dialogue coach
0: for yep. Samuel Jackson. No, I worked on the the couple of days where they did the stunt where they jumped over the wall in Central Park with a car. That was pretty much it. But oh wow, good time! A lot nice. of running back and forth right. and photocopying stuff. Nice. Uh, no, that's, that's the that's movie magic. <laughs> I will say the one thing that stuck with me, and then we can get back to talking about this book, is there was a script page, and I think there's a boat explosion at some point in the movie, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. I was photocopying that script pages, and a direction that stuck with me was uh, the boat explodes. It's the biggest explosion in movie history.
1: <laughs> that's, wow. a, that's a cool thing to write into your script. Yeah, yeah. You know what
2: yeah. that reminds me of? Lost, your buddy's on Lost. Uh, all right, all uh, right. Stop crossing the podcast. Yeah, but I, I think the the approach is great. Uh, you know, I love the art style. And it does kind of have a, a die hard Alien feel to it, in all the right ways. Die hard to Alien feel. Um, two. Two, oh, alien one.
0: Field. Just to be very clear, Spider-Man Jeez. Double Trouble, Jeez. number one for Marvel, written by Marika Tabaki oh, and man. Vita Ayala, <laughs> art by Guri Hiru. In this issue, Miles and Spider-Man are teaming up together. It is an all ages book and they're checking out Spider-Man's weapons hanger as some bad stuff goes down with Miles over the course of the issue. This is exactly what you expect for the cover. You get into it; it's fun, all ages stuff. The art is great. The writing is a delight. What would you guys think?
2: Yeah, I I like this. I want more of these two teaming up. This is fun. Um, yeah, I you know the stupid like just uh, you swiping a card to get into your warehouse of weapons was fun. Yeah, I, I but really the the art is the real kind of. Uh, main uh thing here, and it is just absolutely fantastic, worth checking out for the art alone. This is just super cool,
1: yeah, the art's really good. If you're a fan of a little book called um Tiny Titans, I think this mm-hmm. could be a book for you, yep um uh, with some just good spider man action uh and fun. <laughs>
0: Superman Cal L Return Special Number One from DC Comics, written by Mark Wade, Cedar Grace, Marv Wolfman, and Alex Segura, art by Clayton Henry, Dean Hashbill, Jack Herbert, and Fico Osio. As you can figure out from the title, this is about Superman returning from space from War Worlds and the various repercussions from that on various characters. We get a bunch of short stories in that direction. I'm going to say something controversial first and then we'll talk about it. I think all of these stories are good, but there's a level of, I'm like, I get Superman is back. This was not as big of a deal for me as a comic book reader as it is for everybody in continuity. And though I like these stories, Mm. this happens with Superman all the time. He disappears for 12 issues it's fine. Let's move on from there. We don't need to double wow, dot on that dude. Look so, at wow. you,
2: you old curmudgeon. How rump, I say. Yeah. Well, are such a chiseled veteran. This happens all the time. Superman has to go away. Sometimes you know he's gotta take take care of stuff off planet. Okay, it happens, you know, everybody's gotta learn to deal.
1: Alex, when you get home from work after not seeing your kids for a, a, several hours, don't you wanna tell them what you did? Uh, they do. Like. They
0: do publish a Alex return special every time that happens. <laughs> every every night. night. Every night. All right, man. Dad. We
1: get it. Wow.
2: <laughs> Your Here's four face. short stories about you coming back home, <laughs> asshole. Uh, yeah, I mean, first role. off, ama- amazing covers. Uh, I, th- I feel like the Mark Wade first story was uh, silly and touching. Uh, yeah. I thought there was, you know, uh, some of them were better than others, but it's a great collection. A weird theme of everybody eating breakfast, but uh, still. Uh, we all eat it. Yeah, we all do. We call it different things, you know? Uh, but we I do. think. Well, what some we people call it, it brekkie. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Some people prefer a brunch rather than a breakfast. You know, so great there's point. a lot of different. Uh, there's yeah, a lot what of different a variety,
1: takes. man! What a what a different cultural um, exploration we just did there. Um, I like this maybe more than you guys did because I thought the first story was great. Some Batman, Superman, QT, great mm-hmm. use of Mister Nobody, the Doom Patrol villain. And mm-hmm. um, shouts to our guys Alex Segura and Dean Haspiel um, working on a couple different stories here as well. Oh, Again, yeah.
0: I want to be very clear. I think this is a good collection of fun Superman stories. I just want to move past the like triumph parade that we're having for Superman coming back and just get on to whatever the next thing is.
2: Wow, dude. Wow. wow. I can't go it, away for a business trip, and we can't miss Superman if he goes away for a couple weeks. Who cares? All right, dude. Wow. Who cares? <laughs>
0: 20th You've Century changed. Man number four from Image Comics written by Dennis Cab, art by Sapien Morian. In this issue, we're getting almost a oral history of this ongoing oh, war man. between a giant very robot
1: much so. dude
0: yeah. and another also very large robot dude. Um, I know you guys have been loving this book, so talk about this issue.
1: I wish I had remembered to say this on the live show because this was other, my other favorite read of the week. Um, oh, now, now you say it is.
2: Now that we're not doing a live show.
1: Well, now it's in the stack. And again, a lot of comments coming through the live stream here asking about you. Are you want to be sure? Are you inhaling near your cat's butthole? That's the question now. If you're no. not blowing out, maybe you're sucking in. That's just a question. Nope. Uh, but let me say that um, I love this book. This book is fantastic. It's got big, sweeping story. Um, I love the... Uh The suicide cowboys, I think they're called, the sort of um, American uh, soldiers who are willing to die. We talked a little bit also in the live show about how comics aren't great at confronting issues directly and only through metaphor and allegory do they touch on things. This book, I think, is doing a great job of speaking to our modern politics without having to be like one side is bad, one side is good. It's just talking about... Uh, what war and what um, the ways that battle changes people and, and politics changes people and what they do in a heightened superhero world. And I love it. Great.
2: I thought you loved this book, Pete, what's going on? Are you off it? No, no. I mean, I, I just think that this was, um, you know, I, I was just supporting his thing cause he was, you You really liked it i I think that mm. this was very cool and a u- unique style choice and a, a great use of like kind of quotes to tell a narrative story. The art was great it was um it was it was very political very uh well said and well put together. I was super impressed with how it uh, went about it from start to finish. You I mean, don't like
1: quotes though.
2: No, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really powerful and moving and uh, super well done. I mean. All yeah, right, yeah, there you go. Super impressive.
0: Let's talk about Koshki in Hell, number one from Dark Horse Comics. That's I how like you say Mignola it. Mignola art by Ben Stenbeck. I got to say, as somebody I'm a fan of BPRD, I'm a fan of Hellboy. We've been talking about a lot of these books. And they've been going in a bunch of different directions in the whole Mignola-verse I was bowled over by the fact that we are getting a direct continuation of the whole Hellboy BPRD saga here. As we follow Koshki the Undying in Hell, he decides, you know what, I'm going to get out of this stasis that I've been in here and sort of go on an adventure that's going to follow up on a bunch of the dangling threads from Hellboy. This is very exciting to me. I'm curious to hear if you ah. in the same way.
1: I felt like this was – if you've been missing straight-up Hellboy stories that um, have a continuity, continuity to them, we've been getting a lot of sort of one-off and non-high-stakes adventures for Hellboy. Mm-hmm. This feels very much like the Hellboy when it was the main series dealing with all the prophecy stuff and the fate of what the Hellboy was meant to be on Earth to do uh, with a, just a different character at the, at the helm. So um, I, if you've been jonesing for some Hellboy, this is your shot.
2: Yeah, I, I was super. This was one of my favorite of the week. I thought this was, uh, yeah. I mean, class, it felt like classic Hellboy is such a cool story. Great kind of first issue. I was sad. This is one of four. I really want this to go more. I want more, but, uh, uh, this is just. Uh, I can't take away from it because I'm only getting four issues. This is just, it just feels so great, and uh, I i feel like this was a really solid first issue that really got you into this world and kind of excited for this adventure.
1: STB, some timely baguettes. Uh,
0: <laughs> super tight bananas, bro! Strange Academy Finals, number two for Marvel, written by Scotty Young, art by Umberto Ramos. In this issue... The folks at uh, Strange Academy are dealing with cleaning up their academy while a bunch of others are working on taking it down. Things go wrong by the end of the issue. We really like the first issue here. How would you feel about the second one?
1: Uh, I I like this. Um, I, Humberto um, Ramos's R is excellent. Uh, this issue, I was surprised it starts out pretty bright and shiny and then gets pretty dark by the end of it. Um, I think this book has the spirit of like your younger X-Men, like your new X-Men or your new mutants from back in the day. Um, and that's uh, something we, we aren't seeing in the X-Men universe really at all.
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the art was the real champion of this. I, I just love the art so much. Uh, But, yeah, I'm enjoying uh, what's happening here. I feel like uh, the the kind of um, the urgency, the media, I feel like we're building towards something cool. So seemed nice. Nightwing 2022, annual number one for DC Comics. Written by Tom
0: Taylor, Jake Kristoff, and C.S. Paquette. Art by Eduardo Pensico and Anaki Miranda. We're getting a couple of stories here, but the main one, is a essential story. If you've been reading Nightwing, it is the origin of, I keep getting this villain's name wrong, but Heartbreaker, I believe. It reveals finally how he's come to be and what's going on with him and where he came from and what his goals are. But added into that, I was a little worried about veering off of Tom Taylor for two more stories because his Nightwing stories have been so phenomenal. But these were great. Every single story yeah. in here was a great Nightwing story.
2: This was an awesome issue.
1: Uh, the villain's name is Heartless, um, I heartless. believe. and uh, Yeah, they, that's why uh,
2: Zalbin didn't pick up on it, because that's just how he rolls. He's heartless. I don't care saying. or get it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I agree. I mean, I'm – one of the biggest fans of Nightwing um, on this po- one of the top three Nightwing fans on this podcast. And so I, uh, you know, I love this. I love taking the time to really get into a villain's origin um, in the annual and the extra stories. I do have a question um, this between this issue and uh, one we're going to talk about later, Batgirls um, 2022 annual number one. Barbara Gordon is in a wheelchair, I believe in that issue and not in this issue, right? Am I crazy there? No, she's just sitting down a lot in Bad Girls. But the chair has wheels, I thought. Does it?
0: She, so she has, if I remember correctly, she has a chip in her spine that is allowing her to walk, but it's still an effort for her. Like they haven't invalidated the fact that her, uh, she has trouble walking, they're not making it like a magic cure or anything like that. So maybe in Batgirl, she does have a wheelchair, and that is what she is using because it's more comfortable for her versus Nightwing, they've decided to lean into her being Batgirl. Potentially. I don't know.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm just unclear on it. Um, and I, You know, I guess she is standing up sometimes, and she's just sometimes in a wheelchair, so I don't
2: know. Uh, anyways, getting back to this, uh, I r- really thought this was like – really touching that kind of uh uh you know having a uh, nightwing uh trained superman there that was really cool uh loved loved the kind of learned it from batman line thought that was just a really such a great powerful line uh yeah i thought this was uh, a, a solid comic uh some fantastic art you know what i mean there you go. Stillwater number 16 from Image
0: Comics written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Ramon King whereas This is getting to the end here with Stillwater. I believe we have two more yeah. issues after this. And here we get the origins of Stillwater, the town where nobody ever dies. We finally find out what is going on and what is happening here. Big revelations great issue. I was not expecting this here, and I guess I did not know that it was going to be ending in three issues, but the way they roll out this revelation was really well done.
1: I agree. This comic is interesting in that it feels like it's been going on for a long time, and it's taking its time telling the story, and I'm sort of like, let's get to it. Well, at the same time, it feels like, oh my god, we're here already? It's it's coming to the end? It, it feels um, sort of surprising in both directions.
2: Yeah, I agree, uh, but also the art is uh, super tight bananas, and um, uh, it was crazy how far back they went to kind of uh, give us the answers. Very interesting. There you go. Yeah,
1: that, that's right, salty trumpet, boys. Same for me.
2: Damn them all. Number
0: two for Boob Studios, written by Simon Spurrier, art by Charlie Adlard. This is continuing with the story of, well, it's not – Constantine's daughter, but it essentially, if you want to think about it in that direction, uh, it's kind of like that, right? But she's dealing with a bunch of mob stuff. There's some crazy stuff happening with the demon world that she's dealing with. This is great. We talked about it the last issue, like Simon Spurrier doing the same thing that Kieran Gillen did with Once in Future in terms of giving us like a high octane action movie. Here it's a high octane mob movie with demon stuff when Simon Spurrier usually goes wildly off the rails in weird directions, laudably so. Um I I continue to really like this and Charlie Adlar's aren't as reliable as always.
1: Uh, Yes. The other uh, the other two things I would say about this is the dialogue is really well done from just a writing standpoint, but also the way it's expressed and lettered on the page is really interesting with like some trailing off sentences and different um, words emphasized. So that's really cool and specific and unique about this book. Uh, the other thing I want to say is the premise is really great. While the the story's complex, the idea that all of the demons in hell have been sort of tamed and are up for grabs for people on Earth to use to do whatever they want to do with them is a great, cool premise. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes.
2: Yeah, I agree with uh JT says over there. Uh th- this is very unique and creative. It's also fun and and super crazy. I uh, I love the way the art matches the tone of this. They do such a great job with the the colors and the and the kind of inking and all the different kind of like layers to it. It's a, it's got a whole vibe to it that I really appreciate. I think this is a fantastic comic and definitely one of the ones that you should check out. This is a, this is, this is just getting better and better with each issue.
0: X-Terminators, number three from Marvel, written by Leah Williams, art by Carlos Gomez in this issue. Boom Boom, Jubilee, and Dazzler, as well as X-23 slash Wolverine, are trapped in a fairy cage by some vampires. We are finding out more about that. This book continues to be wild and profane in all the right ways. I had another very fun time reading this issue. How about you guys?
2: Well, the one thing I just wanted to say—the way you did X and then kind of paused—I thought you were going to say like X couldn't give it to you, or like you know what I mean, like the, that. Did you think that pause. Alex was going to say? You well, think Alex was going to say X, X. going to give it to you? And I was like, going to give it to me? Uh, he was waiting for you to do it. Oh well. Anyways, hey um, Pete, knock knock on the door. It's real on the door. <laughs> 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 Who's there? This is fun. I'm yeah. answering to the knock knock at the door. hmm It's real. What? Okay, go ahead. What What's what what just happened? It's <laughs> a, uh, a knock knock joke there.
0: No, it's X gonna give it to you. That's a lyric from it. Don't oh, worry wow. about it, Pete. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, you wouldn't right. know. You're not yeah. a real DMX fan like me.
2: Oh wow. my god. Don't even, bro. Mm. fucking rough riders we in here bro all right i don't even want to fucking that pole riser bit was my motherfucker anyways <laughs> um the
1: uh, not a sentence you hear very
2: often <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah to this connect was those thoughts th- podcast listeners <laughs> <laughs> This comic was right up Zalvin's alley here. This is, uh, you know, his favorite team up here. A lot of talking about boobs and touching boobs. So the, the pervy Zalb was having the time of his life. Good for you. I'm glad they make comics for you. And maybe eventually they'll make more for me, but who knows? <laughs> maybe oh, wow. eventually make
1: more maybe. someday. Yeah. Coming from the Punisher fan on the podcast. Um, uh, though I, I am with Alex on this, I really like this. It does feel like a a fun road trip story with some uh, x-men you don't get to see hang out together and while there is a lot of like tna in this book it's not about guys male characters being with them and seeing them it seems to be about them cutting loose and doing what they want to do it does sort of track with who these characters are i think or at least some of them and i think it's fun
0: yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And granted, we are three guys on a podcast talking about this, but it does feel like Leo Williams is framing it up, not in a very male gaze kind of way. It's not the sort of thing exactly. that, frankly, not to throw somebody under the bus, but like a Scott Lobdell would do back in the day where it'd be like, yeah. creepy, this feels fun and goofy and there's a playfulness here. That I'm really enjoying. It's a fun book. Definitely check it out. Detective Comics 2022, annual number one from DC Comics, written by Ram V. Art by Christopher Mitten and Raphael Albuquerque with Hayden Sherman. This is the another story from the DC universe where we're getting a bunch of different stuff in an annual.
2: What did you guys think?
0: Can you tell that <laughs> I don't remember is- what
2: happened here? <laughs> Yeah, this is old-timey Batman in the olden times. that's right. Uh, Yes, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great art, fun. It's not really my cup of tea, but it's enjoyable. Uh, You know, people like things set back in old-timey things now, so fucking great.
1: I, I think I reviewed another comic with this same quote last week, but it is like one of those old Elseworlds annuals. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a Gotham City origin story where a um Batman situation occurs uh well before our current Bat- Batman situation you know what batman, i mean
2: batman the situation yeah i talked about the jersey that tour. does always weird me out
0: and it took me a while to get into the idea of like Hundreds of years ago, there was also a Two-Face. And hundreds of years ago, there was a Poison Ivy and a Batman and all this stuff. So to your point, once I finally got on board with like, right, oh, right, we're telling an world story here. This is not like literally the history of Gotham City, though
1: maybe it is. That certainly seems to be what Rem V is leading into here. Um, well, and also the, this type of storytelling of like, look, it's happening again, is rife. Comic books are rife with that that type of story. Yeah.
0: Yes. And it also 1602. And well, and to be fair, this is something that was established by Grant Morrison, because I think what they're playing off of here is when Batman quote unquote died, getting killed by a dark side in final crisis, he traveled throughout time and reverberated all of these things. So I think that's what they're playing with here. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, I guess.
2: Yes, Pete. Just so you know, for future, so you sound a little bit smarter, you want to pronounce it to be fair. That's the best way oh, do to do fair. I true. thought you were going to say Barbados to or something
0: like that. Barbados is actually how you pronounce it. All right. Love Sick number two from Irish <laughs> Comics by Luana Vecchio. This is Pete's favorite issue of the week, I think. Pete's he, pick of the week. Pete's pick of the week. Pete, you love seeing little piggies split open end to end. Pete. Take it away.
2: What are we fucking doing with this? Why are you glamorizing? Uh, I, I just, this comic grossed me the fuck out. And I was just like, hey, you know what? This is not, I I don't want to be in this world. I don't want to read comics supporting what's happening here. I don't want to be like, hey, go out and check out this thing. If you want to murder people and cut them open. That guy was tortured for three fucking years, man. That shit was Really, really fucked up. And I wish so, I didn't have to read that comic. I wish I could not read that comic. I wish I could go back in time and stop myself and be like, hey, don't read this comic that fucking Zelbin put on this fucking list. I, I'm sorry, Bane, I'm it. very confused. So you
0: don't like to see little piggies squeal as the life goes out yeah. of their eyes? Answer no. the question. No, I don't. Okay. All right. That
2: doesn't seem consistent Uh, with everything that I've known about you for the past 15 years, but all right. Well, I'm sorry, dude. I'm not going to dress up in some kind of weird SNM thing and then torture people for my own followers or whatever the fuck is going on, Mm -hmm. man. Yeah, well, what about uh, – uh, let this? me just throw something out at you. Do You, you don't like think to the see, world is weird enough? Do you like to see
0: a lady tits out of the bathtub getting split apart <laughs> by a piggy guy and picturing her own death and getting kind of turned on by it? Because I feel like you've mentioned that a couple of times on the
2: podcast. You love no. that, right, Pete? No, no, I definitely don't. Oh, no, I definitely okay. don't. And it sucks c- that you put that image in my head. You know what mm. I mean? Well, the comic
1: put it in your head when you you read it.
2: Yeah, he put it on the fucking list. Tons of comics that came out this week, and we had to include this fucking one in there.
1: Did you finish it?
2: Yeah. Did you finish, Pete? Did you finish, Pete? No. (laughs) I don't don't think (laughs) I ever will again after that. Did you feel Uh, spent after you read this, Pete? Nope. Okay. Nope.
1: I I also found this unsettling to read. I was yeah. reading this on the subway. Oh I was, I was man! Too, I was too tired. You're that I was like, guy. I, well, I was like I was too tired to like be careful. Uh, so, the, but I finished it, and I was getting off, and I looked over the lady next to me, and I was like, "Oh shit!" She, you saw that comment that I was <laughs> That
2: reading. sentence you just said. I finished. I was getting off, and then the lady looked at me. I mean, that's just a weird sentence. Pete,
1: there. that's disgusting. I don't know why you put that out there. You We're, said Alex it. Alex and I, Alex I'm and I saying, are on our think best about behavior. What you're a bit. Alex and I are on our best behavior, and you're going to bring that stuff up? Yeah. I mean, I just this feel like someone Pete needs to blow on. into your butthole. No, it's classic <laughs> Pete. Someone needs to puff the Pete fluff.
2: <laughs> we need to peat the seat and put the puck. why Selvin why defend this comic one time uh, sure I think the art is very good
0: I, so I disagree here's what I'll say is that I did think, based on the discussion, I thought we had an interesting discussion about the first issue in terms of how it is going very hard on incel culture, and it's not shying away from all the stuff that legitimately is happening on the dark web. Like, this is real things and if you read the back matter, Luana Vecchio talks about it. This is real things that unsettled Luana Vecchio when uh, he was looking into this book and researching this book that were very upsetting, that are actually going on in certain aspects, maybe not as exaggerated as this. But tying back to the discussion that we had on the live show in terms of real life issues, incel culture, the way that it deals with women and the way that it feels about women, the core of this book is about these hyped-up id cells and these hyped-up Women who are like we 're going to deal with toxic mass culture male culture, excuse me, in the most apocalyptic way and disgusting way and graphic way possible that 's what the book is about it 's supposed to feel unsettling. Do I want to read it? Not necessarily it doesn 't make me feel comfortable to read it, and i don 't enjoy reading it, but I do appreciate the fact that we do have somebody that is dealing with these things head-on and using the comics medium to deal with them head-on in the most, I hope... I've never been on the dark web, but I hope most exaggerated way possible to really push these issues forward and push them to the forefront, because ultimately, I think that's what the comics medium is for. If it doesn't work for everybody, as it clearly does not work for you, Pete, I think made you uncomfortable on the subway, Justin, and made me uncomfortable when I went to a playground and showed it to all of the kids in the playground, equally (laughs) uncomfortable for all three of us. I think yeah I'm still i'm I'm glad it exists because it is something um, that is trying something whether it works or not. and I think ultimately that's what comics should be doing is they should be trying things, they should be going through things and experimenting. That's the point of experiments. Sometimes your theorems do not work
1: go ahead,
2: okay. go ahead. I
1: was gonna, my only response to that is um I think you're right about that. But this comic seems to be showing us without giving us that sort of like Mm -hmm. takeaway or that sort of like spin on it where I'm like, oh, I see what the comment here is. It is just exposing this underworld uh, to our eyes and that uh, I want a little bit of a And glamorizing
2: it it even and making it seem like it's good uh, and which uh, it shouldn't be. Also, you know, the taking the artistic kind of stance of, like, it should be able to, you know, freedom of speech, all that kind of stuff, great. I, I understand people should be allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to do, right? And I think that's true. Uh You know, ex- exposing things in the dark web, but, yeah, I, I don't know. But my point is, we only have so many comics that we can see, talk about, and promote. I... This comic not only ruined my experience with this comic, it then ruined a perfectly innocent comic that had nothing to do with this that I couldn't then enjoy because of this fucking piece of shit. Are you talking about owl Ollie, right? No. <laughs> if I had to read Ollie right after that, it might have fucked Ollie up. But yeah. I had to read plush. Did you read that issue so, of Ollie where his was tits out of the bathtub getting split open <laughs> by a pig? Nope. <laughs> no, because that's not. Don't drag the innocence and the magnificence that is Ollie I into do think your shit you, story.
0: I understand what you're saying, Pete. Stop blaming me for something that we're all agreeing on. I think, Justin, your point is very apt here that the first issue, there felt like this promise of uh, we are hardcore going into this incel culture versus how women could respond in the most over-the-top way possible to push back on that. I think we lose that a little bit in the second issue in terms of just raw exploitation I think the next issue is the last issue, and I don't know if we'll get back to that point in the third issue. Don't you put that on the fucking stack? I guess gotta we'll, close uh, it out.
2: I'm not reading it. got close it out.
0: We gotta. We'll read that, I'm and not then we'll reading read a couple of like real raunchy issues of Ali Why don't we move on and talk about
2: th- <laughs> not reading? it.
0: <laughs> ah, sorry. The it's runny- really bad. The roadie number three, the art's very good. The roadie number three from Dark Horse Comics written by, and I was also, sorry, last thing that I'm going to say, the fact that it spurred on this much discussion from us, I think is a good thing and a testament to what they are trying to do with the comic.
2: That's right, Pete. Well, I'm glad that you're having fun, Zalbin. I'm not. And it also hurt another comic. You know what I mean? Like, right. Which other, com- which other comic her. are you talking about? Plush. I had I to him read this it. comic and then I had to read Plush, and I couldn't fucking read Plush because it was this. You had comic to read of all of, of Alan Morris
0: so. Lost Girls just to
2: scrub your brain after this, right, Pete? There you go. Oh, I don't even know what you're saying. I just think it's that, very like, bad what I'm saying. There's interesting yeah. things to talk about, and there are big topics to talk about. I don't really want to talk about fucked up people doing fucked up things. There's horrible people all over the world doing horrible things, you know, like I don't want to give them any more time or have them look good, which they do in this issue.
0: You're absolutely right. Let's stop talking about fucked up people doing fucked up things and instead talk about the eh. roadie number three from dark horse comics written by Tim Seeley art by Fred Galland. in this issue. Our titular roadie in that is taking his daughter that he has just found out about trying to hide her from the demons who are tracking her down. Some crazy stuff happens with demons and some messed up stuff. Pete, you want to take it away? You want to talk about this one? What's going on? What'd you think about this?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is fun, this is just demons and a fun uh story, cool uh, demon shit, uh good art. You know, it's a it's it's hard to not keep talking about what just happened, but um I think that uh this is just Tim Seeley. he uh He kind of has this creative, weird mind that I think is explored really well in this comic. And there's always kind of a little bit of heart in Tim Seeley's stuff that comes through. And uh, yeah, I enjoy his writing.
1: Yeah, I agree. If you liked the comic The Scumbag uh, Mm -hmm. by Rick Remender, this feels like something that um, could fill a little bit of that hole after The Scumbag ended.
0: Yes. And if you uh, like the demon stuff that's going on in Assemb- Avengers Assemble Alpha, and then also like the fucked up stuff that's happening in Lovesick, if you kind of like mix them together, I think you get the roadie. Um, and there you go. Right, Pete? Right no? Pushed it too far? Hey. Okay, fair enough. I think this book is very good. Like you guys are saying, there's a lot of heart going on here. Uh, it's very fun. It's very creative. I'm bummed that it's ending with the next issue. Let's talk about the Wildstorm 30th anniversary special number one from DC Comics written by, are you ready, Brandon Choi, Matthew Rosenberg, J. Scott Campbell, Greg Pog, Warren Ellis, Ed Bryson, Hi. Chris Dose Gage. Brett Booth, Megan Fitzmartin, Dan Abnett, Joshua Engage. Williamson, Art by Jim Lee, Stefano Ladini, J. Scott Campbell, Minkyu Jung, Brian Hitch, Mike Henderson, Dustin Wynn Jeff Spokes, Brett Booth, Will Conrad, Neil Gudge, and John Boy Myers. This is, as you can figure out by the title, a bunch of stories that are paying tribute to the legacy of Wildstorm. There's a lot of great stuff going on here, particularly if you like the Wildstorm universe. Also, not to fly under the radar, uh, DC just sneaking Warren Ellis back in there, despite the fact that he was accused of abuse by multiple creators and fans. That's pretty fucked up. Take it away, guys.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the fact that you, um, I, all right. Um, yeah. So, uh, first story was pretty damn intense. Uh, and I feel like in a good way, second story was good. The better days, uh, uh, super sad, but ends with some hope. The, uh, Greg Pak Hawksmore story was really great. Um, we got kind of a new uh, kind of Haw- Hawksmore-powered kind of person in there, so that's exciting. Um, some real fun pin-up art splash pages they do throughout the book, which is great when you're getting like an anniversary special. And, of course, the Midnight or Apollo story just uh, gets you in the feels.
1: Uh, wow, what a breakdown of the book the, there. Um, I This reminded me... It's like going back for a to a high school reunion. This book because you see like oh look that person that person really did something with themselves. Look the grifters is now sort of a main character at DC. And you mm-hmm. see other people you are like ah oh, I haven't seen much of them lately. They haven't been doing much very much. And obviously I read these comics when I was much younger. Uh, so definitely that I really liked the. Um, the together story. Also interesting, um, Midnight or Apollo really dealing with the Fallout from the War World stuff yeah. here, mm, yeah. um, which I didn't expect to have those continuity touchstones. Um, I thought the um, Grifter story in the middle of the book was really fun. Uh, the Gen 13 felt very on Gen 13. Um, but yeah, a
2: classic mixed bag. Um, <laughs> classic mixed bag. Well, I, I, yeah, would say I don't actually, know how to. Oh, go ahead, babe. Sorry. I was just going to say, as far as the Warren Ellis stuff, I don't know what's been going on or what's happened. Uh, I assume if somebody is being, you know, kind of let back into uh, a position uh, uh, of power there that uh, things are okay. But I don't know that to be true or I don't Mm -hmm. know. So I don't it's it's weird to kind of have this be happening. It's pretty weird, and this is a
0: extremely broad overview of the situation, but he was accused of abuse by multiple folks. As I mentioned, they said to him, hey, if you take steps to work with people professionally and get better, as well as apologize to all of us and work with us and follow steps, and there was a whole website created – We will work with you to improve the situation. And he was like, absolutely, I'm going to do that. And as far as we know, none of that has happened. And now he's writing for DC again. So uh, that's that's bad. But, that's, a, yeah. that's a bad thing that DC did, is basically what I can say. That's a, that said, in terms of this issue, uh, as somebody who has no real ties to the Wild Storm universe, I can say it got better as it went along, I think. You mentioned mm. the Greg Pox story, which I thought was great. And then the Matthew yeah, Rosenberg really good. stuff. Hotspur. Yeah, it was Bergy. really, really good as well. So. I was left very lost by the first half of the book. And then as it went on in the second half of the book, this is like a hundred pages or something. Uh, they started yeah. to get to actual stories where I could like sink my teeth in a little bit. So that was good stuff.
1: It's interesting because it got very much more DC and more continuity laden as it went on. It's interesting that you lo- like those better. A lot yeah. of people, maybe Wildstorm purists, Potentially.
0: There you go. Like the Gen 13 thing. I was like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm sorry. Yeah. But that's what the book was like. Yes. Why don't we move on and talk about Rogue Son, number eight from Image Comics, written by Ryan Parrott, art by Abel. In this issue, Rogue Sun is getting back to the main continuity after a couple of wild issues here. He's doing some training, figuring out how to use his superhero powers, and we got a new villain stepping up to take him down. I was very excited to read this after the last Choose Your Own Adventure issue, which might be... One of my issues yes. of the year, frankly, um, but uh, this book continues to be great. Like I think this is maybe my that, that favorite segment. book at the massive verse right now. I just think they're crushing wow. it every issue. Uh, I'm just having a really good time reading this. How are you guys feeling?
2: Yeah, I agree. the uh, The art is just uh, you know super tight bananas, and uh, I feel like. The, I love the action. Also, he has a little quippy moments in here. Uh, yeah, this, uh, you know, uh, is building in a great way. I, I felt like this was just such a solid issue, uh, kind of back to where kind of, you know, this thing is kind of rolling again, and uh, it feels great. Um,
1: yeah, I agree. I thought this was STV Sriracha, uh, two brother. Get some sriracha to my brother when it comes to this book.
2: Man, I'm glad we're talking about your brother. I miss that guy. He's a lot funnier than you are. Dead
0: Mall, number two, from Dark Horse Comics, (laughs) written by Adam Cesari, art by David Stoll. In this issue, our teens are still trapped in an old mall that is infested with ghosts or demons or spirits or something like that that are taunting them and occasionally breaking some of their bones in very graphic ways. We... Felt like, if I remember correctly, the first issue was intriguing, but took a little while to get to the premise and what was going on. We get a little bit more of it in this issue. How are you feeling as of issue two? Justin, how are you feeling about it?
1: Very unsettling, this comic. This comic is um, some good horror in that it feels unrelenting. Like, the, the book doesn't give, the story doesn't give the characters any way out or any real options, and it forces them to make exclusively bad choices that we see the bad results of. So it has, it has darkness to it and we get maybe some help here that is immediately ruined by one of the characters. So um, I'm curious what the light at the end of the tunnel here is, but if you want an unsettling book, this is, this is definitely that.
2: Uh, The, the cover is so gross. Uh, You know, it's like lipstick, but it's a dead finger and it's so fucking gross inside is I I was trying to read this and I kept being like nope no 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 this is too scary it's too fucked up um I yeah I had a hard time reading it the horror of it all was just a little too much for me but the, uh, the art is great and if you like horror you should check this out because I was fucking really scared and it kind ah. of really plays with a lot of my uh, a lot of my fears. Um. So yeah. Uh, just no. Thank you. My main takeaway <laughs> for this book, and
0: I say this as somebody who's seen literally one of the movies, the most recent one. But by the end of the book, I was like, "Oh, this is Hellraiser, is what they're doing. It's people being given these delicious yeah. gifts, and their flesh being mangled beyond repair." So if you like oh, those stop. movies, I I think you'll probably like this. DC's Grifter got run over by a reindeer, number one, from DC Comics, written by Stephanie Williams, Max Bemis, Dave Weygos. Scott Brian I'm Wilson, John Laban, Michael W. Conrad, Kevin Scott, and Derek Friedols. Art by David Lapham, Pablo M. Collar, PJ Holden, Skylar Patridge, Juan Doe, Brennan Wagner, Fico Asio, Carlos Danda, and Dustin Wynn. This is another collection of uh, holiday stories set in the DC universe. Of a particular note, I would say I loved going back to the little gotham universe that dustin did i believe that's uh, this issue sorry we did a lot of collections this week so i'm not remembering specifically this issue Yeah. yeah yeah so very fun to see that again i'm a big fan of that stuff but how did you guys feel about this one
2: yeah. I mean, the, the dust and winds are is great. The kind of little Gotham stuff is, and, and it's just fun. The grifter kind of, uh, stealing stuff and getting run over. I mean, that's just, uh, they're having some fun and it seems and it's a fun collection. And I thought it was silly and great. And, uh, you know, if you're just looking for kind of a fun holiday special type of deal, this delivers. A uh, couple
1: standouts, uh, much like the book um, we just talked about and Alex that it got better as it went on. I felt that way here. Um, you get to see some a good Harley story with um, the introduction introduction of Mrs. Uh, Trixelchick, yeah. um, sort of her own click, which I thought was cool. Uh, I liked the Batman Catwoman story, sort of a cute uh, gift-giving uh, bit. Animal Man was um, sort of surprisingly poignant late in mm-hmm. the book. The Grifter story, though, I thought though was super fun, had some just really great writing, really fun jokes um, throughout, and uh, really enjoyed that. I was um, pleasantly surprised by it.
0: The Dead Lucky, number four, from Image Comics, written by Melissa Flores, art by Fred Carlo Magno. This is another one of the massive verse books here, focusing on a woman who can harness ghosts to create electricity and control a robot, if I'm getting that correctly. And in this issue, we're following up on the conflict she has happening with the very OCP-style organization that is running a robot army in San Francisco, now that we finally have this conflict set up, the characters set up, I'm very much into this book. I think the characters are good. I think the situation is good. The tension is very amped up in this issue, and I'm enjoying it. But how are you guys feeling?
1: I agree. I love her power set and the fact that it's in sort of or very organically incorporated technology and ghosts as like sort of a superpower set, um, and it's uh, it makes for a much more interesting um, fights.
2: Yeah. I mean, they do the kind of tripped out shit really well. Um, I feel like this is really kind of picking up steam with everything. I agree with what you guys are saying. The, the kind of stylized art is just fantastic. I mean, this is super tight bananas here. I'm not going to say it so that way Justin can't fuck with me, but, uh, man, mm. uh, just, just, uh, this, this is a lot of fun and a great ish. Yeah. I agree, Pete. It's mm. tits out in the bathtub, split end to end. Let's move on to the
0: next one, Unbreakable Red right. well, Sonja. Everybody
1: has a catchphrase now, I guess. Everybody <laughs> has a catchphrase.
0: You'll have to figure When's out that yours. going a
1: t-shirt, Alex?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll make a t-shirt for that one, definitely. Unbreakable oh, Red Sonja, number two, from Dynamite, written by Jim Zub, art by Giovanni Valletta. Uh-huh. In this issue, picking up on the cliffhanger of the last issue, a tiny young Red Sonja has either traveled over it in time, or regular Red Soba has traveled back in time. Either way, they're oh. teaming up and traveling through the land together. Now that we finally got to the concept, I've having a great time with this. I think ZubHub is writing the hell out of this book. It's a good fantasy book, and Giovanni Valletta's art is really good as well. How do you guys feel?
1: Let's celebrate the ZubHub, just like the Ewoks with a yub-yub, because this is another <laughs> great book uh, in the Red new world.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think this is. You agree with what I said? You agree (laughs) with that? I agree with everything you said. You agree with
1: what I said. Okay. I I do. Yep.
2: Yep. That's one of my favorite songs, and I'm sad that they cut it out of the movie. Uh, Wait, hold on. Wait, just real quick on that. That's one of your favorite songs? (laughs) Like, you come
1: home. (laughs) That was Pete's Song at his wedding, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean that actually makes some sense. Yeah, I'm saying to come home and casually put on yum yub that oh, that's We exactly went to How the jazz like coach and like, hey,
2: we wanna do a we wanna do a waltz to <laughs> yum dub. And they're like, Oh, this yeah, sure, I've done oh, this, this numerous again numerous times for couples. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, nice.
1: <laughs> Alex comes home to a comic about his day that his kids hate, and Pete comes out and puts on the
2: Ewok dance. That's right. right. Really but tell I, the story. I also think that, uh, you know, you know, this isn't just a kind of like TNA comic. They're doing, uh, I think, a better no. job of getting away from that there's, a little bit. There's
1: none of that in this comic.
2: Well, you know, it's still a mesh bikini, which doesn't make any fucking sense, but... Well, you if know. it's
1: hot, you don't want a heavy. It's mm-hmm. lighter armor if there's less.
2: Dude, when you're fighting somebody, you don't want to have bare skin.
1: Uh, I have available. a mesh speedo that I wear in the mesh uh, iron speedo that I wear in the water all the time. Yeah, but that's until it, until it <laughs> rusts.
2: <laughs> that's a horrible idea. There's a lot. of got to be a lot of drag on fucking putting metal. Uh, anyways, I, I agree with you, I, Pete. I just you feel- got to have the chainmail everywhere to protect yourself from pigmen splitting you end to end, right, Pete? Is that? <laughs> <laughs> really? are, are you trying to, to push me out of this you know what i mean are you trying to make me quit because i'm fucking close bro keep oh pushing my fuck you wow. stop okay. bringing up something that was fucking horrible
1: <laughs> anyway back to my iron speedo something that's not horrible
0: I would make another joke about this, but I, I end think end. Pete's serious here. So why don't we move on to Batgirls 2022 annual number one from DC Comics, written by Becky Clunet and Michael W. Conrad, art by Robbie Rodriguez. In this issue, we're getting a classic body-switching adventure for the Batgirls as Cassandra Cain and Stephanie Brown eventually switch bodies. Um, we, I'll, I'll tell you what, I love this team. Robbie Rodriguez's art is great. Becky Clunet and Michael W. Donnie- Conrad have a great time writing this book. The tone is so much fun. I just wanted to get to the body switching thing sooner. And maybe that's because it was teased on the cover. So I already knew what was going to happen. And it seems like we're going to be following that plot line in Batgirls. Super fun. But we don't get enough of like, what does it mean that Stephanie is in Cassandra's body and Cassandra's in Stephanie's body other than the setup in the last quarter of the book or so? So that's my only qualm with it. Otherwise, great fun issue as usual.
1: I liked it. Um, I wasn't bothered by that. Um, The idea that they're switching places and then put in very compromising situations for each of the other, I thought was really well done. And um, I look forward to more of this.
2: Yeah, it was more of a heightened Freaky Friday situation. Um, I I think that, it, yeah, it's definitely fun. The team on this has been killing it for a while, and I feel like this was a fun annual to kind of give them. Briar, number two from Boom Studios, written by Christopher Cantwell, art by
0: Jermaine Garcia. In this issue, we're continuing to follow our riff on Sleeping Beauty as she travels through... I don't know, post-apocalyptic fantasy land, I guess is the place way of describing it. She mixes it up with a bunch of fairies and other things in this issue. I know we're pretty high on the first issue. How are you feeling about the second one?
1: I remain high. I think this is a good story. Um, Fables-esque if you're looking for a good comp. Um, But uh, it seems like the team of characters is coming together and they keep wrecking uh, stuff.
2: Yeah, I feel like this is crazy cool. I, I really think that it's interesting and fun, uh, the takes that they're kind of uh, uh, risking with this. I think this has been a uh, really kind of cool, interesting take that the art style is, is, is really impressive. And then also the last couple of panels, the great job of like giving you that kind of old shit moment.
1: It's STB smoking two bazookas.
0: <laughs> Last but not least, Nubia and the Justice League Special Number One from DC Comics, written once again by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, as well as Stephanie Williams, art by Amen K. Nahulpen and Alitha Martinez. In this issue, we are following Nubia as she gets a little bit of a tryout with the Justice League, and then a backup story as well. Pete, I know you're a big fan of the Nubia stuff. How'd you feel about this one?
2: Yeah, the, the, it was some really great covers. Uh, classic art had a really awesome feel to it. I'm loving the story. Everyone got against to kind of meet the queen. And uh, I felt like that was kind of real fun for everybody to, uh, you know, Batman had a little bit of a faux pas there, but it was, I thought it was uh it was a blast and it was kind of like a nice kind of behind the scenes moment that we got to witness. And I, I really appreciate it.
1: I feel like with Nubia, we, we've really gotten back to sort of the, uh, original Wonder Woman um, stuff where we're having an Amazon coming to um, the regular, the rest of the planet and getting to see her point of view and what it means to be a hero um, out of sort of fish out of water situation. And uh, it's really nice. I agree. Fun stuff, fun stories. And if
0: you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the comic book shop.
1: Time to puff the fluff. (laughs) Ha!